Hello and welcome to We Bought a Mic coming at you again remotely. Uh it's uh it's a trying time here for our line of work as we battle the front lines of this horrible pandemic. Please pray for all your podcasters out there doing the um essential work of providing you the latest in the world of pop culture, which yeah. really isn't much. It's not much, uh, but there are some things and we'll be getting into them. Yeah, the so wheel in the sky so keeps on turning. The content funnel keeps on churning. The content is strong right now. I'm, not I'm earnest. I am uh, currently massively rearranging my room because that's the point in quarantine that we have reached, Hunter Mobley. And uh, I am patient zero of the Skimble virus. Um, I am legend, available now on DVD. Cool. So that's roll call. Um, Ernie, hey, do, do we happen to have any voicemails to play on this pod? You guys want to hear some voicemails? Yes. I well, will say this is a good on. chance to thank our uh, sponsor slash supporter slash biggest fan, Brian Adams. Thank you so much for donating four ninety nine a month for the duration of this pandemic uh, and beyond. The sponsor for the pod, and it's just <laughs> a guy. Brian, I want you to know, I did have a cat, and his name was something just normal cat name, like Furball or something like that. And I renamed him Brian after <laughs> you because Furball. So, <laughs> yeah, so or some shit Brian like was kind enough to send us several voicemails to um, anchor.fm slash we bought a mic, um, which you can easily do on the anchor app. We're only going to play the latest one he sent. Uh, but thank you for sending all those other ones, Brian. This is what he has to say. We'll, we'll probably get around. Yo, it's Brian walking my girlfriend's dog right now on a drizzly, rainy morning in Kansas. Saturday, though, so we're good. Um, follow-up thoughts on the director's draft. I saw the typo I made for Ryan Johnson, and I had to tell my guys, hey, we all saw it, huh? Uh, doesn't matter. Ernest, I didn't really give any thoughts, but man, I love the picks. I love the whole concept of the draft, but Matt Reeves, he's the man. I can't wait for the Robert Pattinson movie. Genuinely cannot wait. Um, also, Edgar Wright and Bo Burnham, I thought were great picks. Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, Damn it. Yeah, love the Bo Burnham pick. No free ads, but he was on um, Anna something. Chris Pratt's ex-wife, her podcast. And it was good. Anna something. I do not know. What the hell was her name? I don't, I don't know. Oh, well. Thank you for the voicemail. He did make uh, an entire graphic displaying all of our picks in the director's draft. I don't know if we've mentioned that on the pod before. Yes, thank um, you so much for doing that, Brian. Cool. He did spell Ryan Johnson wrong, but then did realize it after the fact, and that's all that we ask. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't listened to also, that episode, uh, go back and listen to our director draft episode. That was yeah, a and doozy. Then, and then find Brian's uh, post. And he did, on Twitter, he did say that he thought that I won. Um that you and have am, the best the best draft. Yeah, and I am taking that as like a canonical victory. <laughs> okay. So are, the sponsor decides yeah. who. <laughs> he said that, but we did take it to a public vote. And after I think it was 250,000 votes, I was ruled the unanimous victor. Every so, single person voted for Hunter. Yeah, well it's I did think it was a private a private vote and it was just bots that I made. <laughs> Um, it was the same bots from the 2016 election. I just deployed oh, them back again on my side. Yeah. And so, you, yeah. all the votes were done on the same app that they did the Iowa caucuses in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about that. No, they were all trying to vote for you, but it, they clicked on your name and uh, it like went down one and then just voted for me. So yeah. I'll take the victory. That's fine. I will Whatever. say that uh, we did not take a global pandemic into account when we did our director draft. So maybe my list was actually the best one for a post-COVID-19 uh, world. Yeah, Spielberg is going to fucking die, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spielberg is already dead. I'm sorry to break it to you, Ernest. 
Me and oh. Drew at least have two people who have worked in animated before with the <laughs> with Lord and Miller and Wes Anderson. At least we both have our bases covered. If people can never go into a room with each other again. Then but we- Spielberg will make the Ready Player One sequel that we need that will <laughs> encapsulate this moment in the gravitas of the the situation you know in a way ready player one has kind of become like the sentimental uh piece of literature for our time because it encouraged social distancing yeah long it was yeah. ahead of it we're basically in the oasis right now in the zoom call we're yeah. all in our headsets and we have entered the matrix gamers rise up that, yeah, you'll see my eyes are like huge now. Like I look like an anime guy. You look like Alita Battle Angel. Um, oh, the, the director's draft is a historic event because it's the last time that we will ever see each other in person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the fun, yeah. we were, it was a more innocent time. It was. How little did we know about the state of the world? Just mere yeah. moments after. Um, I will say, I, I think maybe the, the, biggest value pick if we're talking quarantine is Noah Baumbach because he is quarantined with Greta Gerwig and she can act baby yeah they could do a a little one man one man one woman little show Mm -hmm. honestly I would I would pay to see that shit if they just set up a little camera See, once again, we should have, none of us got Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh has his iPhone on him right now. That's he could just true. film himself just doing stuff. In Soderbergh his has already made three feature films in the past week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't hold, and they were already planned, too. They didn't change his plans. He was planning <laughs> on just doing them in his basement. I think that whoever figures out how to make the, the quarantine rom-com will crack the code the, well, the social uh, distancing rom-com that'll be the one that wins out of this so nobody got the guys who made uh the unfriended movies or uh uh what was the the john show movie from a- uh, searching yeah searching um, yeah. searching nobody got um uh hold on wait i'm pulling up the director right now my wi-fi is terrible because everybody's using it anish uh chiganti mm-hmm. uh so that was our mistake because that is the future of making movies yeah. now um and we didn't get him so i will drop uh damien chazelle for uh anish. i'm sorry <laughs> sorry is this a retcon this is a retcon episode see, right now coming That's in funny. here and <laughs> turning to digital media can i pick up chazelle is this a free um, free for all right now? Yeah but, no. <laughs> yeah, but you have to drop your first pick. Oh, um, you have to drop <laughs> drop Robbie Eggers, Bobby Eggers. Eggers. Hey, the lighthouse is the quarantine movie we need right now. Nobody knows it yet. Yeah. What's I think the it, lighthouse, folks? Come on! I think it is coming to Amazon Prime pretty soon, so we'll be sure to blast that out on all our our. Oh, we'll be, we'll be blasting. I'm I yeah. Don't don't you for it. Speaking of blasting, um, this isn't a what we've been watching. We'll get to that momentarily. But one thing that we have previously discussed, which is now available on Hulu right now, is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ooh. It is a masterpiece. It was one of the best movies of last year. It came out on Friday, uh, whenever this comes out. It came out like a week ago ish, whenever you're listening to this. Um Watch that movie. It's a fucking banger of a movie. Beautiful, beautiful film. And then go back and listen to our discussion on that. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Plug. Great plug. I couldn't, uh, couldn't have said better myself. Let's get to some uh, TV that we've been watching because what else you got to do? What? You got to water your plants. You got to feed your cat. You got to walk around your house in circles and mm-hmm. chant weird demonic things as you fall into oblivion of self-isolation no no you gotta you gotta watch westworld <laughs> <laughs> so westworld is back for its third I season i haven't seen any of the new it's fine you're fine <laughs> you don't need to i'll it's i will a, watch a it and to become more just like kind of schlockier entertainment that's what i was gonna say is that yeah. it it went Season one was all about like this park and these 
robots that didn't know were robots who actually thought that they were real people in this in this western setting uh and it was playing around with all of that you had anthony hopkins in there really really great stuff season two started to explore the robots like waking up uh for lack of a better phrase and um and having a mutiny and having a mutiny and a rise up and a revolution and 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 finding out that their world was not what they thought and and going to robot heaven kind of i don't know the heavy side layer exactly yes yes thank you um and now season three is not set in the park it is set in the mainland uh so we get to see the future world uh where this takes place in uh i think it's like in the 2050s or so uh and there are some parts still set in the park and we do see some other things and there you know that there is they're still playing around with us and trying to mystify things and make things mysteries but it's not it's not pick me now it's not as drawn out as it was in season two. I think a lot of the mysteries in season two were like season long mysteries that were just yeah. too <laughs> dense. And well, it was mysteries that didn't need to be a season long. That's, exactly. I, the first season's mystery was a huge enough revelation that it deserved a season. Yeah. Uh, the second season, I it, I was by like, I think maybe like five episodes in, I was like, all right, I'm over it. I don't yeah. care and there was like too many mysteries too it wasn't just one they were doing like three or four different things and all trying to intertwine them all and this third season they're doing mysteries in each episode so by the end of the episode there's enough revelation to keep you to give you a sense of satisfaction and the show is just dazzling you with these incredible visuals and real world locations that they shot in. There's one place in particular that I actually recognized from when I was in Spain, these like really eclectic, almost like skeletal looking buildings in the town of Valencia in Spain that look super futuristic. Um, and the the Aaron Paul character is uh, our sort of um, audience surrogate character of sorts in this new world, um, exploring like what life is like in this 2050 something uh, LA. So those, those things are all new and they're all interesting and there's enough there to keep me at least interested uh, but I wouldn't say that you have to jump back into this show. I do think that it is like fun now when it was kind of like a slog to get through before in season two. I, and it I got... have a question about that. Uh, yeah. Do you think that it would suit me to finish season two, like the last two episodes or whatever? Or is that yeah. not? Or, well, because I'm also assuming like at the beginning of season three, there's like like a three or four minute long recap, right? Kind of, kind of. I I don't know if it's enough to I catch think you. Kind of like YouTube because the the final episode of season two is just jam packed with plot. Like so many things happen in that final episode that is it, it's just too much to fit into a recap. I am curious if you do find any YouTube things if somebody was able to cut together a recap that makes sense because i i honestly think it's like an impossible task to be able to yeah, do that too much to, too much yeah to yeah but but i i enjoy what i've seen so far i think there's only been two episodes so far i think the third one airs tonight so i'll i'll report back to see uh what comes of it but so far it's enjoyable enough it's a fun time uh very visually striking show and at least it's not stringing us along with these unnecessary mysteries anymore. And it's just more laid back, it seems, and more just willing to kind of hang out and and let these concepts uh, and actors uh, cook in a way that isn't detrimental to your enjoyment of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be honest. I... I mean, based on what you said and what other people have said, I'm not going to get back into this show. I dropped out. I took a hard out, uh, like mid season two, and I just 
I feel like my life has gotten just a little bit better. <laughs> like I just have a little bit less like anxiety and like of just trying to rack my brain around questions that I don't even think that the creators of the show know the answers to. Right. This is the version like when you think about a show like anything that Damon Lindelof has done or David Lynch or any of these other people where their shows center around asking questions on what you're seeing, you just feel safe in their arms because you know that they will deliver you safely to the other side. And I don't think that Westworld uh, knows what those answers are, nor do I think that they're interested in providing answers, which once again, David Lynch is my favorite filmmaker of all time. David Lynch isn't necessarily interested in providing answers, but you get feel it, you, babe. you feel safe along the journey that you are taking with him. Where with Westworld, it just more so seems like a waste of time. Um, I, I will say this third this third season doesn't feel as much of a waste of time as the second season did because of the fact that it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're stringing you along with these almost nonsensical mysteries. Yeah. You did say, I, I am curious about one thing that you said, because you said that um, that it's more of a laid back show. Do you think that HBO wants that? Because HBO is still like, they're pushing all their chips in on Westworld. Like, this is our show. They don't want like a fun I think, thing I think to at this point, at. they kind of know that it's not that. And so what they're trying to do is get a mainstream audience. Um, instead of just having like those devotees on Reddit, you know, who are still on board with it. They want to be like, hey, it's okay. Like you can just put it on for fun now. Exactly. I, I think that that's what they're trying to do with the third season. And, and we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, obviously the show started as something that was like enticing people to be puzzle solvers and like look in every nook and cranny for every clue. Mm-hmm. And it kind of got ahead of them and it wasn't enough to like make for an actual entertaining show if it was all about the puzzle mm-hmm. so i i think that they did learn from that it, it really seems like it and again um, only only two eps in so we'll see so uh speaking of things that uh air tonight there's one show that it, uh the premiere episode of it airs tonight so i haven't seen it but it's on adult swim it's called three busy Debras. um this is a show that is guaranteed to be very funny um it, it is it's mitro johari who are the other? I follow all these these girls on Twitter. It started as like a UCB sketch group that was just like deeply weird and surrealistic, where they literally just play three like Stepford Stepford Wives style uh, women named all named Deborah. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a, a great show. So I you know watch that. Don't even need to watch it. Another thing that just premiered on Adult Swim uh, that I saw is the premiere of uh, Tim and Eric's Beef House. Um, oh yeah, you guys watch that. No, not yet. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm excited for it. It's it's short. It uh, it's very Tim and Eric. It's good. It's um, you know, it's probably is the first episode is not the best thing they've ever done, but it's you know, it's Tim and Eric. Now more than ever, they're incredibly busy dudes, and like, I I like that they're still putting time in to make like deeply weird shit. Um, it, it's strange because it, it's like a sitcom parody that is you know it's multicam shot and it has like a fake audience and everything. Um, what was, what really stuck out to me is the fact that they don't even really like take those pilot to introduce you to everybody. They jump right in with like a plot line that you would see in like season three of like a normal show where like, it's like, oh, someone's college buddy is coming in and like staying with them for the episode. And you're like, so this is the pilot. Does that mean that guy's going to live there for like, you know, (laughs) it was, it was kind of a funny move because it's, it's almost as if you're just like catching a rerun of something, but it's the pilot episode. Um, (laughs) It's enjoyable. It's, you know, it's dumb and and insane and like unsettling at points, uh, like all their stuff. It's fun. Love it. And that that's just on their website or if you just go on Adult Swim, Adultswim.com, yeah. And yeah. The, the Adult Swim app has uh, pretty good options as well. But I think you do need a cable login, though. Oh, gotcha. Because sometimes they put their shit out just for free. I know that... Might be the, it might be free because they're trying to drum up views, you know? I think that they just put all of uh, Xavier Renegade Angel on the website for free. I did. Last night, I watched an episode of that show. Um, Knife. Literally, just I've already seen all of it. And it's I, so fucked up. 
Is Listen, the I, was, I was really high and <laughs> just <laughs> listeners if if you get to the point in the quarantine where you just don't know what up or down or left or right is and you just want to feel something go ahead and put on xavier renegade angel on yeah. adult swim and you'll have a trip mm-hmm. just a, a i'll just leave it at that just put it on I don't know if I should recommend if we should recommend Xavier Renegade Angel to people because they might just completely lose their standard. Yeah, it's one of like the five uh, most deeply bizarre shows I think ever created. Uh, I don't think that that's a stretch to say at all. It's one um, of those. It's one of those things that like it's you have to zero in on it because if you're like half watching it, it is complete nonsense. Yeah, it, it's a psychedelic experience. But if you, if you are paying attention to it, you transcend to another level because it all makes sense. The entire, what seemed to be a hodgepodge of just nonsense jibber jabber becomes like the most clear Transcendental, pe- transcend- yeah. transcendental piece of media uh, you've made ever by, seen. Made by Vernon Chapman, longtime writer for South Park and Louie. This, this is just what happens when like deeply weird comedy writers write for no one but themselves. That's what happens. Anyway, uh, what else is what else is in the news? You nothing. There's a virus that is killing people. So nothing. So we're trying to forget about it. We're trying to drown out the world outside our our walls with sweet sweet television content um i have a couple things that i'm gonna run through real quick one of them is better call saul which i just i'm over here waving my flag by myself better call saul land island over here and it's fantastic every day every episode every time just phenomenal tv incredible emmys all around give it to them please um, I will say this new season, the Mike uh, storyline is a little bit lacking. Mm. So we'll see how that uh, shakes out. I, I'm not super confident in it. I'm all in on uh, Jimmy go- becoming Saul Goodman and dealing with his girlfriend, uh, partner, basically wife. Uh, their, by the way, Rhea Seahorn. Yeah, like their okay. relationship is the core of the whole show right now. Their dynamic and seeing you. I mean, we know how Saul ends up. We know that he's a shithead. And knowing that and knowing his trajectory and wondering like how the hell Kim is going to end up. We don't know because she's not in, in Breaking Bad. So the the inherent tension there of how their relationship is going to shake out and and the way they um, they deal with like Jimmy's questionable legal ethics is just phenomenal. I I love it. It's so well done. There's two um, Netflix stand up specials that I watched this week. Actually, there's a ton of stuff that I watched this week. Yes. These are only the the two things that I I'm worth uh, really talking about. But I today I watched Ex Machina. I also saw uh, A Star Is Born the other day. I saw Pop Star. I saw Eighth Grade. So I've been doing a lot of like rewatches in my quarantine to give me that that comfort blanket. But I want to talk about these two Netflix specials real quick. I'll shout out uh, Mike Birbiglia's the new one, mm-hmm. um, which is all about him becoming a father, and it is so funny and so real. Like it really makes you feel like somebody is talking about the experience of being a father uh, in a way that like most people don't talk about, and how difficult it is, and how hard it is, and how kind of almost torturous it can be uh but it's hilarious and i love it it's really really well done have you guys seen it no i haven't seen, I it. I've seen every other berbiglia special though i'm a big fan. yeah in the movie of course we love uh we stand uh don't think twice mm-hmm. uh the other one i really really recommend this it's mark maron's end times fun also on netflix Holy shit, I was not expecting this to be as good as it was. It came out at just the perfect time with this fucking pandemic crisis because he basically predicts it. 
in the special. Like it is prescient and prophetic to a certain degree. Cause it's all, the whole special is about these like really deep thoughts and like out there crazy thoughts. And um, he presents them in a way that's pretty grounded for how out there they are and really hilarious for how deep and harrowing they are too. Um, and I won't spoil exactly like how he predicts it. Um, it's not like exact, but he's basically talking about like how something needs to happen to bring people together. Something big and bad needs to happen to get people to like snap out of it. And that's essentially what's happening right now in the world. Um, And there's a lot of other bits that he does around that and through that. And it's so genius. There's jokes about Marvel movies, jokes about lizard people. Like, holy shit. It's just so funny, so good. And all like expertly delivered, expertly told. Like, this guy is just a master at what he's been at it. You know, he's doing it probably for like 30 years now. Um, yeah, I'm, really, I'm really interested in this special because Mark Maron is a guy who like him just talking or doing stand-up is the best. Like you get the best version of that of him. I'm not huge on his podcast. I think that I listen to episodes wherever there's certain guests and stuff like that. I know that he's like one of the pod fathers that's out there, but uh Sometimes he has a little bit of, I'll call it uh, Pete Holmes-itis, where he yeah. can kind of dominate a conversation with an interesting person. Um, but I think that his stand-up and just anything about his life is just incredibly fascinating. So I'm definitely interested in checking out this I, I will spoil one thing because I'm curious to get you guys' uh, thoughts on this bit that he has that just like broke my brain a little bit. He's, he has a bit about evangelicals and he's so scared of them because some of them have positions of political power and he's basically talking about how like evangelicals think that Jesus is going to return and when he does, it'll be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So like people in positions of power are trying to accelerate the apocalypse through their legislation to bring about the return of Jesus Christ. Now, there's and like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about that. And now I'm like so scared that fucking uh, Donald Trump is like being uh, guided by some crazy Christian people that want the fucking world to end. <clears throat> Mike Pence. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, I had a little, guy in my throat low covid there low covid in your throat yeah i think the i mean that definitely is something <laughs> to chew on like when you when you ever get into the deeper beliefs of a politician you get really scared yeah it's it's usually not good uh and also i like the larger threat is just the the um apathy toward that in favor of profit in politics mm-hmm. um, that's yeah that's the thing that is driving i think even more politicians is like it gets in the way of the bottom line to act before things turn to shit. Yeah. So again, it's Mark Maron's end times fun. It's definitely not like full on comfort viewing, but it is super, super funny. And it's kind of like, for me, the perfect thing to watch during this whole crisis, because it makes you like recontextualize what's happening in the world right now while still having fun and enjoying a great standup special. Yeah. Um, That's all I got. I got two other stand-up specials um, that I've watched. I can I could honestly make a giant list of ones that I want everyone to watch. Uh, I think I've recommended on the pod before. Rory Scovel try stand-up for the first time on Netflix. Yeah. Um, another uh, Netflix one, a newer one that I just watched is um, Tom Segura's new one, Ball Hog. Uh, Tom Segura quietly has become one of the most successful stand-ups in the world over the past like five years. Um, largely due to Netflix. Um, and and also just, he's a work ethic guy. Like he puts out a, about a special a year and like hour longs. So 
And he's also, uh, you know, he's another guy who kind of brands off of being fat and bald and very <laughs> cynical. So in a lot of ways, he's sort of a, a replacement for Louis. Uh, he stylistically, there are a ton of differences, obviously. Um, and he's not honest. Honestly, he's not as good, and he probably never will be as Louis at his peak. Um, but this is a, you know, every one of his specials on Netflix has funny stuff in it. He's not my favorite stand-up. Uh, he's not like on my Rushmore of working standups, but he's always good. Um, you know, he, he's one of those dudes, like he talks about, uh, uncomfortable topics. He, he like offends people, but not like, you know, he's one of those guys that likes walking that line basically, which is like, you know, traditional standup. That's like kind of what it is. Um, his new special Bahog is, is pretty much still on that course. Like it, he's, it's really, really solid standup. He, uh, you know, he writes a ton of jokes. Like it's, it's just pure through and through stand up the whole way. Um, and he is good at playing with a crowd. Like he's good at getting a crowd going. He's doing big venues now. Like this is a, a it's not a, you know, it's not a 360 arena, but it's, it's a theater in the vein of like what Mulaney has been doing. Um, so yeah, no, that's worth watching. If you want sort of like mindless stand up, just like fun to watch. And that also has like, it has comedy value. It's just not like pushing any boundary in any direction, I guess. Um, and then another one that I think uh, you guys should definitely check out because there's a lot more to talk about with it is Whitmer Thomas's new special um, that Tom Segura one's on, on Netflix along with all his others. This one's on HBO. Um, Whitmer Thomas is like, a, he's an early, I think he's about 30. Um, I know him from podcasts. He's, he's popped up on a lot of podcasts that I listen to. He has a very interesting voice, like very signature voice, very signature look about him. Uh, he, he has this like incredible elastic face, like Jim Carrey style. Um, and then he has like a shock of blonde hair. He dresses like a skater, but he's from Alabama. Um, so he has like, you know, he has like a very strange combination of things going on. Genuinely, a, a lot of standups are not very interesting. And that's why they do standup um, because they're good at, like someone even like Mulaney, his stories aren't necessarily like just fully crazy. He's just the best at making them into a good story. Like he, he's the best craft wise in the world. Um, Whitmer actually has a, a billion like batshit insane stories that have actually happened to him. He's one of those types of standups. Um, and also he just has like very interesting creative vision. Um, like this special, you know, it has a lot of the autobiographical stuff like Jenny Slates did on Netflix. Um, it's very part documentary. Basically he, you know, he's lived in LA for like over 10 years now, but he went back to his hometown, a tiny town in Alabama. And he played at this like big, uh, bar venue that his mom used to be in a band that was like the house band for this place. Wow. Uh, and he gets like insanely deep into like his like dark, insane family history where like his mom like died. She like drank herself to death. Oh, and, and it, yeah. And like his dad like left the family for years and then came back. And you like you see the dad like you, there's scenes where he talks to his dad um, like they're on good terms now. Uh, so it's it's truly interesting. And also there are tons. He does a lot of songs and uh, he wasn't an emo band. He has a ton of great material on emo bands uh even stuff that wasn't in this special that i've just heard before that he does uh but the songs that he performs are full-on new wave emo song like british new wave 80s songs basically uh and he's doing so he's doing material that does not fit all these <laughs> alabama motherfuckers in the crowd like Very la yeah, but he's still getting laughs a, a good amount. Um, but there are a lot of jokes and stuff where you you could definitely see it slaying in a normal room, but he's in Alabama. But then also there's a lot of topical jokes that is like Alabama, you know, it's about literally that tiny town and like events that happen there. So it's fascinating. There's just so much going on in this special. Um, and I've I've been a fan of Whitmer for years and uh, I'm I'm happy to see him like finding a lane uh, because he is such an unusual guy, but he, it, when you see him, like the way he talks, the way he moves, the way he performs, you just, you kind of think like that guy is somebody like that guy is, you know, he, he deserves to like be known. Um, the standup itself, there's a lot of great shit in there. Like I said, the stories are incredible. 
Um, he was, was like kidnapped when he was a little kid, like just, just insane, insane shit happens to this guy. And he has so many other stories that aren't even in the special that he's told before, but, um, does he have a backing band or is he just up there? No, it's just, it's pre-recorded and he's doing the singing. Um, and he's like really balls out going new wave voice. Um, and it's, it's very, most of them are funny. And then some of them are not even particularly funny. They're just, it's just him singing a song. (laughs) Um, so I, I was like a huge fan of this special. It did make me think a lot. Cause I've been thinking a lot about that special and Jenny slates. And I, I really enjoy both of them, but it kind of worries me in terms of what it implies for the future of alt standup. Like I enjoyed both of these specials in a vacuum, but if this becomes a trend, I could see it getting kind of grading quick. Uh, the trend of, half of your hour long not being stand up. Do you know what I mean? It's really more of like a 40 minute. Yeah. And like, and sort of like it could be perceived as like pretty pompous to do like a retrospective on your whole life when you're like 30. (laughs) And and it's like, this is like your first major special that like people haven't known your name before, you know, you could, you could kind of watch it and be like, well, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Or who the fuck does Jenny Slate think she is? Like, you're supposed to do that when you're like 60 and you're looking back on this incredible career, you know, yeah. like, and, and so I, th- I still truly like, these are two people that I particularly wanted to know about. And especially with Whitmer's special, it's in his hometown. It's all about like his hometown. And like, so that especially needed this, uh, you know, all these little video cutaways, but I don't, there aren't many stand-ups that I would want to do this. And it seems like it may kind of catch on. And so that's a little bit alarming, regardless of whether or not this and Jenny Slate special, I think they both absolutely succeed. I think the concept of it could fail in the future. It it seems like it's better suited for people who aren't just straight up regular stand-ups, right? So Jenny Slate is not really a stand-up. She's mm-hmm. more of an actor, comedian, sketch comic, uh, you know, all these other things, uh, writer even. Um, so, so her doing a stand-up special, it was like, oh, okay, that's neat. Also, it has this other layer to it because she is interested in other ways of expressing her her art and, and herself. And this guy, uh, Whitmer, I mean, he's a musician too. So obviously he's interested in other things. So if somebody does this format, that's just a straight up regular comic, like a Tom Segura, maybe, then that's when you're going to start to run into like the, okay, well, why, why exactly this? Yeah. And also it's, it's been done before. And like, I, I probably recommended this recently too, but Dan Klein's parody hour-long stand-up special on YouTube called This Is Comedy. It's an entire fake stand-up special where he does all of the worst bits you've ever seen. And that, it has a lot of, it's, it makes fun of the specials that have done that in the past where it has these really pompous cutaways where it's just like, yeah, going, going back home and everyone's just like, oh my God, it's you, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, yeah. This is just how it is for me now, you know? Everyone recognizes me. Like there's a, there's a way to do it right, but there are also a million ways to do it wrong, I think. And uh, it just kind of seems like a slippery slope. Um, And also, just as like a fan of comedy, like even watching Jenny Slate's special, I was so excited she got an hour long and I was a little disappointed to get maybe 25 minutes of stand-up out of it. You know? Really? Was it that little? I didn't feel that. Jenny Slate's has even less than Whitmer's. Like it's a lot of documentary. And that's very cool too, but... I had there hasn't been a Jenny Slate hour long yet, and I was just so stoked to see an hour of her being funny. Like I, I think they're kind of they might be putting the cart ahead of the horse. I guess is what I'm saying. Like there is a time and place to do it, and there's a way to do it right, and they both did it well. But I don't think this should be a thing from now yeah. on, or at least don't call it a stand up special. You know, yeah. call it something else, or maybe make it an hour and a half then. Add like if you're gonna have like thirty minutes of documentary style footage in it, then extend the entire yeah, or just do it once you've already done some hour longs. So like, because I don't even have like a half hour of Jenny Slate. Like all that, it like in from the past. I mean, like all I have is this special that she's put out, pretty much. And I want more of her comedy. Like that's what she's the best at. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like for Jenny Slate, it is a little bit more understandable for her to do something like that. Like, Whitmer Thomas, nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also, if I'm dead honest, Whitmer Thomas's life is is more interesting. Like, he... No, I, I understand that. I more so mean, like, Jenny Slate can get away with doing something like that because people know who Jenny Slate is. Yeah. Where Whitmer Thomas, people don't know who he is. I know. Well, but also, he... He might get away. I, I don't know who gets away with it better because Whitmer Thomas, it, it, you're watching things that are truly incredible. It's not just him like sitting in his childhood room, like, yeah, I used to play ball over there. Like, you know, because that, uh, I don't have time for that shit. And that is in every special where they go back home, there's some bullshit like that that sucks. Um, but there's also so much juicy shit going on from this guy's past. Like, he reconnects with his mom's identical twin who had, he had been exchanged from from years Whoa. on, on camera, he calls <laughs> her and like, they work things out. <laughs> like it's, that's, you know, cool. Yeah. Um, Cause that's like interesting content, but on, I think that most people are not interesting enough to do such a thing. On the flip side, you have the Mike Berbiglia special that I just mentioned. And that thing is over an hour. It's like one twenty, and it's all stand up every single bit of it like he's telling one long story yeah, it's a yeah. yeah exactly like he did it on broadway i think mm-hmm, he did. so that's kind of like the reverse right and berbiglia is not just a comic you know he's done acting uh he's you know he did the movie the the don't think twice movie so he's not just a stand-up but then he did this stand-up show that's like so much more elevated because of the 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 thought that he put into the story that he was telling yeah some there were just there are points in in any special that goes back home where i just end up thinking your job is to use words to tell me about yeah put put me there through your your delivery it's it's the opposite of our problem in movies where it's show me don't tell me a comedy special you want them to tell tell, yeah tell me don't show me (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, quick side note on Berbiglia that I just remembered the CMZ bit in Popstar is like one of the best things I've oh, ever seen in my oh life. God. Really with, good <laughs> with Chelsea uh, Peretti and, and Eric Andre, uh, Eric Andre, and um, Will Arnett. Yeah, yeah, He's holy like shit, that was the funniest fucking thing! Oh my god, <sighs> so, um, yeah. what else we got? I think you had one more thing, Drew. Oh, do I fuck? What we do in the shadows. Yeah, this has been talked about on the pod. This is the series. I've seen the movie. Finally watched the first few eps of the series. And it's there's not much to say because it's so, so good. Um, it's so yeah, there, there's, Did you watch the whole the whole season? I said I wouldn't know. The first few eps. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, it, the, I think the thing that is, I guess you could call it the most revelatory, is that... Uh, every member of the cast is absolutely slaying it. And there, there, you know, there are names that, you know, of course, like Beanie Feldstein's in there, um, more people like that, but there are people, you know, this is kind of Matt Berry's like American, like major audience debut to a lot of people. He's incredible. He was ready to go. Uh, Kaven Novak, the, the guy who plays Nandor, uh, just, just every, like down the line, everyone is doing so, so well. And this is a You're show. Well-known. They're well known in like British comedy circles, but not not to a massive audience at all. Like I didn't know who any. The only person that's a main part of the cast who I knew was Mark Proch. Proch, who that's, that's our guy. My, I stand Mark Proch. Always have. He's he is incredible, um, and you know he he got a role that was just you know written for him probably literally. Yeah. With, uh, with this show, you can tell that he. This, Cause it's a, you know, there are a lot of very well-written jokes in it, but you can tell, I think sometimes they just kind of like let him do his thing. Cause he's been doing that character for probably 20 years. <laughs> like just a guy who like bores the shit out of everybody. <laughs> it's a great show. That's all I got to say about it. It's great. It's on FX. Uh, it's on Hulu now. So everyone should watch it. It's on Hulu. Season two comes out April 15th. Uh, oh, nice. The first two episodes are dropping on April 15th. It might be part of the FX on Hulu thing. Where it'll just be like available at midnight. At that a would be incredible. Um, yeah, no, the show's it, it's incredible. It was in my top ten last year. I fucking love this show. Yeah, it would easily be on my list if I had seen it last year because it is 
uh, it's one of probably like the five best comedies on TV. Um, and I can say that after watching only like three episodes, like it's just so obviously better than almost any other comedy that you watch on TV now. It, it's it is funny. top tier. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for you to watch the rest of the show because I think that it really is a season that gets better and better as it goes along and it like figures out what it's doing and it figures out its voice and everything. Like it really just hits its stride like episode five, six. And then just, it's on another level. Yeah, the last shout out I would have to give is to Harvey Guillen, since I just, I mentioned everyone else in main cast by name. Uh, you know, he plays Guillermo, the guy who wants to be a vampire. Yes. He is, <laughs> he, he is the, like, emotional anchor of the whole show. Did you mention uh, Natasha uh, Dimitrio? Oh, no, yeah, she's she's he really is, funny. As Nadja is just, like, unbelievable. She yeah, is, every, she honestly might be everyone, my favorite. Yeah, every person is is doing like top tier uh comedy acting like it's it's a rare feat uh so yeah big recommend what do you got hunt so one last thing it's not tv but you can watch it on your television um so we talked a little bit about this i guess at this point it's been like two weeks about how companies are trying to push out movies breaking the uh like the dead period in between when a movie comes released in theaters putting it on vod um and disney is one of those companies that did that so they put out frozen 2 early ahead of schedule on disney plus by like a month or two and onward uh was released on vod last week it's coming to disney plus this friday april weird weird for them to put a a throwaway dreamworks movie on a disney plus (laughs) so this movie has gotten a lot of hate um well it's mostly just the look of it has turned people off because it just doesn't look very pixar it's less the hate and it's more so just kind of a eh response to it it a pixar movie um i i really enjoyed this movie a lot um, it's not great. I'd say it's pretty mid to maybe slightly lower tier Pixar. Is it around the area of like How to Train Your Dragon? Hey, uh, How to Train Your Dragon is a masterpiece, and don't you dare those would, no, those would all be in the middle of the um, Pixar pack, though. No, I think the first How to Train Your Dragon is fucking incredible. I love that movie. Yeah, but that one doesn't look very good. I would say, let me pull up my Pixar list real quick. To give you guys a rough idea, I'd put it around Toy Story 3 level. Damn. Toy Story 3-ish. So like around like number 8 for you or something? Toy Story 3 is pretty low on my list. Um, the problem is that Pixar doesn't really make bad movies. So I'm putting it like lower tier Pixar means that it's better than pretty much any other kids movie. Um, so what, what's good about it? Pretty, so it's kind of pretty heavy for a kids movie i think that this is a movie like as a child i probably wouldn't really like that much but it deals with a lot of themes of loss of course their father um tom holland and chris pratt are the two main lead uh dark elf creatures that we have um and uh their father dies when chris pratt's very young and tom holland never meets his dad um and they kind of go on this adventure to try and just have one last day, one last experience with their father, but really does just deal with what it's like uh, to not have a traditional father figure and how uh, older sibling can really fulfill that for a lot of people, uh, which is really important. Kind of uh, explores the role of a stepfather in people's lives, which, you know, me, DOD over here, uh, child of divorce, really kind of spoke to me on a certain level um, call of duty yeah yeah as the call of duty of the see i saw that joke but i definitely wasn't gonna say it yeah I, uh, no it's i i don't i didn't i really liked it i don't know if i loved it i'm gonna see it I would I, say, I, when uh, it goes on, disney, on plus. disney plus it's coming on disney plus like just throw it on like it's better than almost everything else that's on disney plus especially i've been watching the lion king like come on like if you're just gonna throw that on i've been watching the simpsons a lot on disney plus and it's making me feel like i'm getting my money's worth for sure (laughs) um it did uh it does get it gets you a little bit emotional tom holland just has a great voice and chris pratt and I think that that does carry a lot of the weight of the movie where it can be 
Yeah. Well, and they're they're both talented comedic actors too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do play off each other. It's really short. It's like ninety minutes flat. Like it felt like it was just like breezed by, which I guess is appropriate. I don't know if I wanted any more of it, but maybe a little bit more might have added something to the movie. Um, it's a, it's a very cute time. Uh, parents of the podcast. It's a great movie for kids to throw on there. If you just need a break from watching the same shit. Brian, you got any kids? If, if now that Frozen 2 has come on, like your children will not shut up singing Into the Unknown and you just need a break. Oh, no. The fun time. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that about does it for this week on the show. Next week, uh, what do we got? Devs? Um, Devs? Might try and catch out. Uh, I don't know whenever it gets released, but uh, uh, never really. Sometimes always is coming. Yeah. Hey, what's that one? What's it called? Saint Francis that Saint got Francis? put out. Yeah. Uh, support your local art house theaters. Our local one got shuttered down from the uh, stay-at-home orders, and we're able to support them by the same price of a movie ticket by downloading a streaming link to this movie called Saint Francis. Did so, you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did it. I have the link, so maybe, though, maybe okay. we could review that. Um, could you like? Could you put it like share your screen on Zoom? Saint Francis reminded me. Has H twenty four said anything about Saint Maud, the horror movie that was supposed to be released in two weeks? Oh. I yeah, don't think they've said anything about delaying it, have they? I think it. I think at this point you have to assume everything is pushed. Back. Yeah, because they have no choice but to be. Delayed. There are no movie theaters open. VOD. I want it. Give me Saint Maud. I will. I will. I will pay at least twenty dollars to watch. I that mean, right honestly, away. like there are some things that I would really rather them wait until everything is back for them to show. Like for me personally, something like In the Heights the big musical from John Cho yeah, uh, or John Chu, um, the guy that did um, Crazy, Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. I want to uh, see Tenet in a theater as well. Tenet? I mean, fucking, we better be through this mess by they the time still, Tenet comes out. Well, they still haven't officially delayed it because apparently they think they may not have to, but I feel like they It's might. July, yeah. right? Yeah, that's definitely on the table for getting delayed. Like, holy fuck! If we still, if we're still in this shit by July, like, take me, God, bring down through the heavens and fucking rapture the shit out of me. Well, they may point. even delay it if, even if they things reopen in like around that time, they may delay it just so it doesn't come out right when things reopen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a lag before business like really picks up again because no one has money. I- I don't know. Some of these things, though, like if you just gave me tomorrow, if there's like, well, we haven't completed. Um, here's no time to die. You can pay fifty dollars for it, like it's like it's pay per view. I would probably throw down fifty dollars just to watch. Oh my it. god! Why not? And it? I'm rolling so in it, baby. <laughs> Let me go for it. Fifty like pay per view. <laughs> I mean, if if we're able to get together and like split the cost, I'd be down for that. If we could split like. You know, between well, six do. people. <laughs> <I'll do it. laughs> no, as Chris Nolan intended. Oh God. <laughs> let's ask. Let's ask uh, the homie Brian to up that dono. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Saint Maud is has been pulled from release. So, like I said, every oh. virtually everything for the next couple months. Oh, another one, A Quiet Place Part Two. I don't want to see that on a fucking computer screen. I mean, I'm sure it'll look great if you have a nice enough screen, but that's a movie to see in a theater, man. You guys, everybody, I am over here just chilling. I got my big old flat screen. I got my surround sound. I'm making my own personal theater in these hard times. Instead, I just have... Instead, because movies are still just getting pushed out instead of being released, I'm just watching Tiger King with surround sound. I mean... But hey... Hey, Trolls World Tour comes out in two weeks, guys. If we all, if we all uh, watch Tiger King before next week, we need to have a segment where we each do our ideal cast because they are making a Tiger King thing with uh, Kate McKinnon. 
Um, oh, really? Shit. Um, and this is the type of documentary where every single, you could probably cast like 50 people because <laughs> they're all so interesting, <laughs> you know? Like you, they're, yeah, it's, it's right for casting. I would love to be the casting agent on that fucking show. Um, I had a, I had a thought before we wrap up. Do you guys want to make some bold predictions as to like what the overall impact of this crisis is going to be on the movie industry? Hellfire will rain down upon the, the, uh, cause I, I, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I feel like a lot of movie theaters are just going to go out of business. Like I, I, I feel like the landscape is not going to be looking pretty, pretty good for the movie industry. Yeah, I was. I wasn't doing great to begin with. I I was. My prediction is that there will still be like you know some big chains left, but I think the industry will shift more toward an Alamo Drafthouse type experience thing. Yeah, where it's no longer like a oh let's you know let's scrounge together like ten bucks and just go see a movie. It'll be like hey. Uh, you know, a group of our friends is going to each spend like 50 bucks and go like have, there's like a double feature. We'll get drunk. We'll eat food there. I think that might be the more prevalent situation Uh, because like, like uh, I've been saying, like things that are in the red are the ones that are going to die. And movie theaters have been in the red for quite some time. Yeah. So I think, I think that the big chains like AMC and Regal, they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them. I even think that the local places or the boutique places and the local places like local art house theater, I think is going to be okay through this. They might be struggling a little bit, but I think they'll be okay. I think it's more the movie theaters that never get talked about, but are still chains. Like for example, we have a couple of Epic theaters. Epic, mm-hmm. like Cobb. Yeah. Cinemark. Yeah. There are a ton. And also those are the ones that are going to struggle the most. Well, they are also great. There's there's also a lot of distance in between closing down every store and like having to close down like underperforming store like places like yeah. like GameStop just closed 250 you know stores that's not all of the GameStops but that is enough to tell you that they're really not doing well. I mean I retail retail in general like yeah. malls were already dead before exactly. this. So I could see someone like AMC getting rid of like its lower performing locations which would put a probably a good amount of people in smaller cities uh out to dry you know yeah yeah we'll see we'll see how it shakes out i mean at this point where we stand now we don't even know where the light at the end of the tunnel is with productions either like when are things that pause their productions going to resume their productions much less even be even come out and in what format Mm -hmm. so that's another thing to think about even with television too is like right now we're still getting a steady stream of tv because there's a ton of episodes in the can but at a certain point i feel like there's going to be a lull of everything if like things don't go back into production so i I feel like if i had to make a bold prediction is that there's going to be a time there there might be a time in the near future where we get a lot of things coming out that have been pushed back and then there's going to be a sort of drop off <laughs> because things like aren't being made right now. Yeah, no, there's just there, yeah, there will be just less going around. I think it'll be well, it'll almost be a throwback to like monoculture, like we're having right yeah. now with Tiger King, where it's just the only thing anyone is watching, which is um, ultimately a, kind of a good thing. I mean, yeah, you know, it sucks awesome. sucks for the people that uh, sadly aren't working right now because there's no productions. Like that's a horrible thing. Yeah. Gig workers are in trouble, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think that on an artistic level, it could be good to have less noise around everything and to be a little bit more zeroed in and and Mm -hmm. focused as a, as a, as a yeah, culture. it's it's like a silver lining scenario where it's still like that's you know the problems way outweigh that the good things, but there are good things worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, also, my biggest concern is who's going to raise Chet Hanks. <laughs> like he's yeah. is anyone checking on him. He's all alone. He's only like thirty. Okay. Does he know how to like microwave spaghettios? Man, that guy is already he already has enough on his plate being I know. Chet. Uh, we love you, Chet. He actually, he put out a video that was actually genuinely funny and like trying to be funny. And like, you know, it seemed, I was like, oh, cool. Chet's actually, maybe he gets it a little bit. Um, 
gets what the the joke or he did a video virus where he, he did like a selfie vid where he was like a hey guys so i just wanted to check in i'm i'm really worried right now because uh all these people online are saying all these like new world order conspiracy theories about my parents and they're right like i can't believe everyone got it but like yeah i, I gotta figure out what to do now because like uh everyone figured out that i control everything like <laughs> it was, yeah it was actually like okay chet that's funny here's another thought and we will end this episode soon so everybody can go on with their lives. I just saw Ex Machina last night. Phenomenal movie. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix right now from our, our guy, uh, Alex Garland. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, which, by the way, I would love to see the, the Ex Machina TV show that's just a sequel to the movie. And it's just her story of her in the world. That would be amazing. Uh, that's Westworld season three. Oh, shit. <laughs> but my my uh my take here is uh just thinking about the themes of this movie and like ai and all that shit and the world that we live in now where everybody's at home and and we're living our lives through the internet and technology is what is more likely to happen first that humans augment their bodies to withstand viruses so that we don't have to worry about getting sick because we've technologically augmented ourselves yeah. or we just abandon the physical form altogether and we just upload ourselves and bring on the singularity, baby. We're already <laughs> living your in computers. Is, Let's just uh, go in. Your question is what's going to happen sooner? Something that will happen in the future or something that will happen in the way distant future? I'm going to go with the first option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it just it just makes you think like you know this wouldn't be a problem this virus if we were just all computers we would i mean we would have computer viruses but yeah that's... exactly you know who would kill us all anonymous those those <laughs> epic hackers as long as we upgrade our consciousness to a mac where we will oh yeah <laughs> it's true but then we wouldn't be able to game anymore ah uh, that's right yeah so not yeah. worth it whatever anyway well, hunter you seem pretty busy petting your cat so yeah brian we'll is know. coming in for some heavy snuggles right oh now. little little boy oh my oh, god yeah. this this fat fuck over here this this have. quarantine's working out really well for all the pets oh no, my cat is world. our cats are losing their goddamn mind <laughs> now that we've spent this much time at home around them I I recently re-upped my pet count. I went from one tortoise to now three chickens, four chickens, uh, and uh, all sorts of little birds and uh, lizards. Just random little birds? Yeah, <laughs> not inside the house, but like in my yard and ducks and things, and they're just having a ball. They're eating all the little worms and all the little beetles and things. And there's actually a bird that made a nest in my like front porch. Uh, it's lovely. I, I, I love to see it every day. All right, boys. Well, thanks for another amazing podcast this week. We'll be back next week. Um, in the meantime, you can wash your hands. You can That's talk cool. to your lo loved ones. Check on each other, love each other, watch some good TV, have some good conversations, maybe put the phone away in the other room so you don't fall into a Twitter black hole of um, insanity and be okay. Look, look on the bright side of this whole thing. At least we're still alive. And if you're, if you're sick and, or you know somebody who is sick and has the virus, we're thinking about you. We're sending good vibes and love. And we hope that you're okay and that you make it through. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Thanks to Brian for donating. You can Don't, donate Brian, too. Do not die, Brian. You're our only source of income right now. Brian, please, please don't die. And if you do, make sure that your card is hooked up to a credit card and that it won't get shut off immediately. Don't cancel it. Please, every, every tax-paying citizen in America will be getting a $1,200 check in the mail over the next couple of weeks if you are under a certain income bracket. So please uh, just go ahead and send those over to webottamic at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it we for will, you. We'll put a $1,200 tier on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're, we're discussing, 
we're discussing with the White House right now a way to just make it so you can just opt in to have that sent to. It will be tax deductible. Yes. Because they're not profit because uh, we ain't making any money doing this contract unless you give us your money. So, yeah. yeah. So you're welcome for that, world. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.